Thanks for listening to Mosaic, a Jesus-centered communities podcast. Our goal is to help people experience a Jesus-centered life. You can find out more about us at welcometomosaic.info. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it so others can hear it as well. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, how you doing? Good? That's great to hear. I'm doing all right, too. I'm so glad to be with you here today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to be able to talk to you today from God's Word. And so uh, if I can just get to where I'm going right here, then it would be a lot better. So, oh, man. So... Um, second service, 1045. I got some feedback after the first one here. And, you know, it's one of my goals is um, to try, every time I preach, one of my goals is to try to help people, help us, because I've been doing it through the whole process of sermon writing, think, or maybe rethink. Sometimes there's a fine line between um, that and ticking people off. <laughs> so I actually had a guy come up after the first service and he says, I want to thank you for making me angry. And I'm like, you're welcome. I... And so, but he's like, no, it's good and stuff. So, yeah, so that's, that's the thing that, that we're going for uh, here is today is anger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, anyways, we are in a series called Radical Generosity. Um, and when we say radical generosity, here's what we mean by that. We mean we follow a generous God, so we choose to be generous people. The life and teaching of Jesus drives us to live and give as he did. And so we've been focusing on the generous nature of God. And today I want to continue in that uh, by talking about God's generous grace. There's so many things. I bet you when, when you first heard that we were talking about radical generosity and uh, it's like, oh, it's the end of the year, radical generosity. Here it comes, six weeks on why we should give all our money to the church, right? You, pro- you thought that, didn't you, right? But I love this. I love how we're approaching this because, you know, we, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about that. But, well, not all your money, but anyways, <laughs> but we're probably going to talk about that or a piece of that. But I love how we've been doing this because we're starting by, it's like, look, we follow a generous God. And just example after example of how God is so generous to us. And so radical generosity. Jeff's like, uh, Pastor Jeff, he's like, as we're planning preaching and stuff like that, he's like, what about, you know, would you be open to pre- preaching on radical grace? And I'm like, if there's one topic that I would say, please sign me up for, it's this one. And so I'm really excited about this. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, the first eight verses here of Ephesians chapter 2. Talking about radical generosity and radical grace, generous grace. Listen to this. As for you, you and me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because, oh, thank God for for that little word. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches. You can't compare this with anything else. There's nothing else like it. The incomparable riches of his grace, generous grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Talk about generous grace, right? Man, when we were dead in our sins, just because he loved us, God gave us life. Most of us right now are in the throes of Christmas shopping. How many of you um, love Black Friday shopping? Anybody? It's becoming less, and there's a few hands. There was only a few hands. And the first, Vicky, my wife, Vicky is a Black Friday ninja, okay? <laughs> she like, she gets in there, she's got, she's got the ads online in print, all of them, and she like, she strategizes, she gets her stuff right there. But um, anyways, but many of us are in the throes of Christmas shopping, buying presents, maybe even making presents for family, for friends, co-workers, other significant people in our lives, significant enough that we would give them a gift, right? I'm not going to be offended if, uh, if on Christmas morning I don't see a present from all of you under the tree, you know, for me, because it's like, that's not how Christmas gifts works. It's not that you don't like, I hope it's not that you don't like me, but anyways, and it's not that I don't like you, but most of you in this room, you're probably not going to have a gift from me under your tree because this is not how it works, right? There's, there's select, it's financially prohibitive, and there's just certain people that we give to because they're kind of Christmas list kind of people, right? But God's grace, his gift of grace isn't like that at all. It's for everyone. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. We were dead in our sins, estranged from God, separated, going in the opposite direction from him. Not exactly on God's Christmas list, you know what I mean? Yet, this gift of grace, he just gives it because he loved, we're that significant to him. We're that special to him. We are special because God has set his gaze upon us here, and he's given us this generous gift of generous grace. He doesn't do it for some just because we've deserved it or earned it somehow. It's there for everyone. So Ephesians 2 talks about the incomparable riches of his grace. This is God's generous grace. So there's a word, the Greek word used there is charis. Last service, I pronounced it charis. And, and uh, uh, some Greek geek said, no, it's charis. And so it was Pastor Jeff. So, <laughs> so it's charis to pronounce it correctly, or, you know, the English version of correctness. But, uh, but it's the word that, that, that's translated grace here. And here's what it means. Favor kindness, blessing, goodwill. Do you know God feels goodwill towards you? And also the word gift is, in, is, is, is this word for grace, charis. Favor, kindness, blessing, goodwill, and gift. All of this goes together to create one little tiny succinct three-word definition that if you've been um, an evangelical Christian for any length of time, you probably have heard this. It's God's unmerited 
Favor, yes, God's unmerited favor. You know, unmerited favor, undeserved kindness, unearned, unexpected blessing of God. The incomparable riches of his grace that have no end. The storehouses, they just keep going on and on and on. These pockets are deeper than our sin. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So there's nothing that we can't go too far, you know, in, in sin that God just can't give grace. And so, you know, I can. He says, I have the power to make you right with me. I, I have the ability to take that away. It's because my amazing love for you and this gift of grace that I want to bestow. Through faith in Jesus, when we turn to him, he gives us that grace. People, God loves you. Man, God loves you, and the infinite wealth of his grace is always there for you. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, a couple of different aspects of grace. And so there's a whole lot. So this, this series, I, I sat down to write it, and I was, I'm, I'm going, I'm like, oh, this is going well, you know, this is great. The next day, I go to kind of finish it up, okay? I rewrite the whole thing, all right? And so uh, then the next day, I go to finish that up. And I like get rid of so much stuff. I'm like, what was I, what was I thinking? Did I eat something weird? Did I put that down? That kind of so, anyways, and so, and then yesterday morning I go to finish it up again. <laughs> you know, just finishing touches. It's Saturday. I'm not gonna write a sermon. It's Saturday. And so, uh, but I put some finishing touches on that turned out to be almost a whole rewritten sermon. And so let's see how it turns out this time. So, <laughs> anyways, but uh, but there's some different aspects of grace that I want to talk about, and this is how we. God's generous grace toward us, a couple of aspects of that, and then our response to his grace, his generous grace, and a couple of aspects about that, okay? So the first thing, a couple of aspects about grace. I want to talk about saving grace, okay? It is by, what we just read was, it is by grace that you're saved through faith, through faith in Jesus, right? That's why Jesus, he's still the only way, okay? But there, there's this saving faith, saving grace that God gives us that enables us to walk in relationship with him. We can't have a relationship with Jesus apart from his grace. We make a decision to follow him, but we realize he's been reaching out to us all along, you know? And when we finally do decide to learn and follow his ways, he says, you know what? I wanna take that a step further. I don't want you to just do the right things and not do the wrong things. I want to have a relationship with you. I'm not a philosophy. I, I, I'm someone who loves you, right? And so he forgives us of our sins. He draws us near to God. Titus chapter two, verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared. That, in the person of Jesus, no less, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Romans 3.23, if you were a Christian back in uh, the 80s, 90s, you know the Roman road, I'm sure, and you know this verse, Romans 3.23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the, uh, of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. All of us have messed up. All of us have sinned. Nobody stands righteous before God, but we are justified. That's that forgiveness piece, okay? That's that making us right with God piece. And so, and we're justified freely by his grace 
only by his grace, not by anything that we've done, not by because we're born a certain in a certain position in this life, not anything like that through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That is saving grace that is available to everyone so that we can now be in union, have enjoy union with God. Isn't that great? And most of you in this room, a lot of you in this room, hopefully all of us in this room, we've experienced this saving grace. If you call on the name of the Lord and you, as your Savior, you're following him, you're doing your best, you have experienced this saving grace. But I want you to know this, this grace is available. It's incomparable riches of his grace. There's enough for everybody on the planet. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and that's that saving grace piece that he gives us. Another aspect of grace that I want to talk about, maybe spend a little more time on this, is one that we might have a little more trouble with. I mean, I have the most trouble with this one, and this is what I'll call everyday grace, daily grace, everyday grace. You see, I was taught a belief. Um, I got saved as a teenager, okay? Um, I was as 15, 16, 17, 16. Anyways, uh, I was taught a belief that if I entertained an inappropriate thought and did not ask for forgiveness for that thought right away, I was condemning myself to hell, okay? If I had that thought, I'm saved, I have this thought, I don't get rid of that thought. I entertain that thought. I'm not asking for forgiveness of that thought. All of a sudden, I'm not saved anymore, right? And I, I, was, I was 16, 17 years old. I had inappropriate thoughts, okay? I mean, come on, right? And so I was getting resaved all the time, you know? And so it was this, this, this thing of, oh, man, you know? I mean, I'm in the middle of church, and I'm just praising God, and all of a sudden I'm getting distracted. I had to get resaved, you know? That kind of stuff, right there in the middle of church, you know, before the altar call. But... But then I came across, and it just really hit me, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, just hit me in a different way when, when, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. He was talking about this thorn in the flesh that he had. And uh, people say, well, it was, you know, it's the Apostle Paul. It's probably something like bad eyesight or something like that. It's like, that's not a thorn in the flesh. I like to think that Paul was like me, and he struggled with sin. Paul, you and me, because, okay, uh, that, that he struggled with sin just like anybody else. He struggled with, as a matter of fact, he said he did, right? And so uh, that there's this thorn in the flesh, and, and he's pleading with God, like, just like we do, Lord, take that away from me. And what does God say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace will sustain you. My grace is that it carries. And so, and it just made me think, it's like, well, I'm married to, 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 to Vicky, and I don't know about you, but I'm a guy who does dumb things just because I'm a guy, right? You know, we do that. This is part of the package, okay? And so um, we're married, we're enjoying marriage, and I love this woman with all of my hearts, and then I just do something stupid. I'll say something stupid or something, and then I'll come back later and realize, oh, I said something stupid. And so, um, in, but in those times, it's not like, well, we're married. Well, now we're not married, you know? And if God has created that as an, as, as a, as an example of our relationship with him, I gotta think that that bond is a little stronger, than some thought that I have. You know what I mean? 
that grace is a little more capable than that. And so, and so Vicky, I'm, I'm sorry I said something stupid. And will you marry me again? You know, that kind of, it's not, that's not how it happens, is it? I'm so glad for that because I need that all the time. I don't know about you, but I don't always do the right thing. You know, I need grace from God. I need grace from Vicky. Sometimes I need it from you. Sometimes I need it from others. And I look back at my life sometimes, and maybe you can identify with this, and I just shake my head. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, did I really say that? Did I really do that? And it just kind of replays like a movie in my head, and I'm thinking, I gotta call that guy. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. You know, some of them are just silly, you know? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, take a look back. Some of these are just silly, but some of the others are a little more serious in nature. Maybe it had to do with some things that I believed about God that, and, and I treated somebody badly because of that belief. You know what I mean? And, uh, or, or, or things that, I, that happened when I was just battling this deep depression part of my life here, you know? And, and it's like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I would say something like that, you know? I'm, I'm different in so many ways today, and I'm very grateful for that, aren't you? Come on. I'm so different today than I was just a few years ago, right? And even then, though, God's grace was with me. I was following Jesus, and I would, his grace was with me. And it's his grace that brought me through that, is still bringing me through to, you know, today and beyond, and I'm still thankful for his sufficient grace today because grace says you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your stuff together in order, to, in, in order for me to love you and, and, and give you grace. And as a matter of fact, that's why you need grace. My grace is sufficient for you right now. Everyday grace from our generous God. Have you had those times when you said, God, God, I need you. God, I just need you. Or I, I, or I need to see you in this situation because I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I, I need to know you're there. And I've had times in my life where it's like, it's like I'm God, I don't doubt you. I'm not, my faith isn't shaken, but I gotta know you're there, you know? And there's been some times, honestly, where it's like, God, my faith is shaking and I need to know you're there, you know? You can identify with this, can't you? Not, and, and somehow, in some way, he shows up. Not that he was ever gone, but he, he shows up in a way that we can recognize it, that we can see it. That, and, and that's everyday grace from our generous God to us. He saves us, but he doesn't leave us alone after that. You know, he's with us, and we walk with him. Sometimes you got to be looking for these moments, though, you know? And there's, okay, so um, there's been a few occasions um, throughout our 26 years where I have bought Vicky some flowers on a just-because type of thing. You know, I'm in, whether, whether it's in a grocery store or a past flower shop or something like that, it's like, I'm going to buy Vicky some flowers. And so I bring it home and put it on the kitchen counter so it's there when she gets home. Whether I'm there or not, she, she sees it, Right? And hopefully just to bring a little brightness to her day and stuff like that, right? Uh, there's this one time I, I bought her flowers, and she, um, she had had a rough day. Now, I, I, I actually 
was it last night or this morning? I was like, oh, I'm preaching about you. <laughs> She's like, what are you saying? So I kind of told her story. She's like, I don't have any remembrance of that. I'm like, oh, I do. And so, <laughs> but uh, I bought her some flowers. And, uh, or maybe it's just the fact that she didn't just kind of burst, burst forth in tears and song and, and hug me and all that kind of stuff. And maybe it's my perception based on that. that but because I bought her flowers and she didn't, she didn't see them. She didn't recognize them. She just, but this day she had, a, she had had a rough day, all right? She's a preschool teacher. Give her some love, all right? She's <laughs> three-year-olds, which that gives her life. Me in a room of three-year-olds all day, I would have no hair at the end of the day. I would just be a frazzled mess, okay? But um, my three-year-olds were great, but I'm just grateful they're not three anymore. But Vicky, she's like, oh, please throw me into the briar patch. You know, throw me in a room with three-year-olds, and I will be in my element. So, um, and most days she comes home with these hilarious stories of you can't believe what this cutest kid on the planet said today or did today, right? And so, but this was not like most days, and all she really wanted to do is kick off her shoes, sit on the couch with a jar of Nutella and a spoon (laughs) and Netflix, right? Because she's just like, oh, this day. Maybe there were too many code browns or something. I don't know, but um, if you know what I mean. Three-year-olds, that's, yeah. She didn't notice the flowers, and I put them there, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. She's had a rough day. She's going to just be like, oh, Paul, you are the absolute best ever, and stuff, and she just puts her stuff away, which isn't normal, but puts her stuff away, just, ah, rough day. The flowers were there all the time. She didn't notice them, okay? And that's kind of a maybe, maybe a silly illustration for that, but she did end up noticing them, and then she, then she did burst forth in song and tears. I'm just kidding. So, but she did eventually. But sometimes, I mean, we, some, God has put all these things. You realize all of God's goodness is revealed in creation even, you know? He might not say, get in our way and trip us up just to show us he's bought us a bouquet of flowers, but he's planted them all over these mountains. You know what I mean? God is everywhere, and sometimes we just need to lift up our head and look around and see, God, I see you. I see your grace everywhere here. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, seek me, you'll find me. Jesus said, if you seek, you're going to find. God isn't, uh, he, he really is everywhere, and he's there because of his generous grace. There is everyday grace for you from the hand of our generous Father. Those times when we were just like, I don't, I, God, I need to see you. God, I don't know what to do. God, I messed up again. God, I don't know why this thorn in my flesh is all about. I guess, God, I'm messing up and stuff. And, and it's that we struggle with this one the most because we're, I don't deserve this. You know, I don't feel holy, <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't even feel like I should be in church. I'm glad you're here, you know? Because he gives, his love is so great. His generosity, it talks about the incomparable rich. It doesn't mean that, that it doesn't matter what we do. It just means that when we do mess up, do stuff, stupid things, we sin, that kind of stuff, God's like, look, I'm not gonna abandon you because of that. You know, I love you. Here's, I'm gonna give you grace. We're, we're together in this, you know? And so we have two responses to this grace. Two, and the first one is, they're both hard, actually. (laughs) The first one is to just simply receive it. 
Just simply receive this grace. Oh, why is that so hard? Just to receive his, his, his saving grace. Receive this everyday grace. So many people say, you know what? And, and I've had this conversation. Maybe you have too. And people say, I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready to follow Jesus yet. You know, I'm not ready to whatever. You know, and the reason usually is because they just can't accept forgiveness. I've done too much or, or maybe as I got to make the wrongs right in my life first and that kind of stuff. It's like you can't, you realize you can't do that, you know. That's why God offers that he's like, hey, I'll, I'll do that for you, you know. So many believers, many in this room, we beat ourselves up because we just can't seem to get this living for God thing right. Am I the only one? No, right? We just can't seem to get this living for God thing right because we don't understand or we just feel like we can't receive grace. I guess it's an easy enough trap to fall into, though. You know, our society, by and large, has abandoned this idea of grace. When you can get fired from a job today for a misguided tweet you put out 10 years ago, that happened. You know, it was in the news, you know? Um, if, you get, if you can get fired from a job today because of a misguided tweet from your teenage version of yourself 10 years ago, then we have abandoned this whole idea of grace in our society. It's like, it doesn't matter who you are now. You did this then, and that's what we're gonna choose to look at here. And there's no single accuser because it's, it's this society thing. It's this idea that we have, and that's the accuser, you know? And so, and we've abandoned grace. There's no room to say, you know, I've turned over a new leaf. You know, I've, I'm a new person. I'm, I'm not the same as I was then. Doesn't matter. You said that, so therefore we can't, we can't associate with you any longer. doesn't matter who you are now. Please don't go back on my social media accounts 10 years and look up what I posted. A lot of it is just laughably stupid, right? Paul is eating a hamburger. <laughs> Paul is, <laughs> we documented our lives play by play, right? Stupid stuff. But then there's other things where it's like, I was a lot more, you know, just out there with my opinions and I don't care if you liked it or not. Unfriend me, I don't care. That guy's, you know, it's like, oh, thank God I'm not that person today anymore, you know? And so, and there's just, so, a lot of it was very polarizing and divisive from years ago, but I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Are you? But that's what happens when Satan effectively eliminates the idea of grace from common thought. But maybe, maybe it wasn't all his fault. Has anybody ever, okay, this is where, did I mention this earlier? That there's a fine line between helping people really think and ticking them off. This is really, this, this is that point, okay? So just... You know, FYI. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Jonathan Edwards? He's an 18th century preacher, theologian. You might love Jonathan Edwards. I don't care. That's fine if you do. But uh, uh, he wrote a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And that sermon sparked what came to be known as, as the Great Awakening. Um, uh, where people, they, they said people just, you know, came to church, came to, came to Christ. But here are a few excerpts. And you say, well, Paul, uh, you got to take the whole thing into context. And I'm like, I am. This is the sermon. I'm just pulling out, you know, the main concepts from, from four, four of those paragraphs. You can go online. It's, it's public domain. You can read the whole thing if you want. This is not out of context, okay? 
Listen to this. Jonathan Edwards in this, and this is what scared people into the altar. There's no want of power uh, in God. Uh, he basically, he says, he's not lacking the power to cast wicked men into hell at any moment. He's not only able to cast wicked men into hell, but he can most easily do it. They deserve to be cast into hell so that divine justice never stands in the way. Justice calls aloud for an infinite punishment of their sins. Listen to this. He goes on. They are already under a sentence of condemnation to hell. They do not only justly deserve to be cast down thither, thither, that's a word, but the, that's a fun word to say, thither, but the sentence of the law of God is gone out against them. It stands against them. See, the position is, no, you, the, the, the sentence from God is already, uh, is already there. So they are bound over already to hell. He goes on. Thus, it is that natural men are held. Let's look at this imagery, okay? Thus, it is that natural men are held in the hand of God over the pit of hell, They have deserved the fiery pit and are already sentenced to it, and God is dreadfully provoked. That kind of image in your head right there, you know? Man, talk about, about, uh, you know, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? You know what I mean? And that's the image. This message spread and sparked an entire movement in our country, and we called it the great awakening. And that image of God, of him just dangling us over the pit of hell, is still what is stained in our consciences today. I've had those conversations with people out of the church. I don't want anything to do with that, you know? And that's where this, you know, God just, he's an angry God casting people in hell. He's the judge and all this kind of stuff. And that's why we have such a hard time accepting this grace. Our country is still operating with that mindset. That's why so many people can't believe that God loves them and will forgive them of their sins. This was required reading in Bible college, and we extolled the virtues of this sermon. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry we did. Because that, because that's what we, we, we extolled the virtue of that sermon as if it was inspired scripture. And it's not. It's one man who woke up one morning and he should have rewrote the sermon the next day. You know, it's like, I don't know if he didn't have enough coffee. I don't know if him and his wife had a fight. I don't know, but he wrote an angry sermon that talked about God as if God was just dangling us over by a thread of hell just with a pair of scissors saying, give me one good reason why I shouldn't cut you down. You know, that's the image though that we have. That's the image that our country has of God. And I'm telling you, it's like that song that we, that we sang, shake up the ground of all my religion, tradition, <laughs> break, up, break down the walls of all my religion because your way is better. Your way is better. There's no grace, is there? Not one mention of grace. It is, it's basically saying, this is God. In his hand, this is like, 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 like the eggs in the front. This is your brain on drugs. This is just you. This is God. This is you over hell. And he's just waiting for one good reason. You know? No grace. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the image, though. I think that, there, that we have sinned. I think that there is judgment coming, and I believe in all of that. that, that you, you, you read the end of the book. It's there, and, and there's a price to be paid if we, if, we, if we die in our sins, if we say, if we reject Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But in the meantime, we might have positioned ourselves over that pit of hell, but I think God is there with a really deep bucket underneath of grace, and he's saying, it's okay, I got you. That's God, right? <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> I got a little crusty there. The Bible puts out a completely different narrative here. Com- completely different set of rules called grace. Believe in this grace. God, I believe in grace. Help me overcome my unbelief about grace. Receive this grace, right? Oh God, right where we are, help us to, right now, where we're sitting, wherever you're watching, God, I receive that grace that pursues me. I I receive that grace. So that's our first response, just to receive grace, to to break down that, to to shatter that image of just an angry God who's just, who's, who's already judged us and already, that's not it. Yes, that kind of stuff, there's, there's a day set aside, and it's going to be just and right. But in the meantime, it's not going to happen until God has done everything he can to possibly shake us and shake this planet. And he's saying, I love you. I don't want that to happen to you. Receive that grace. The second response, receive grace, second response is give grace. We serve a generous God, and we want to be generous people. He's been, if he's been generous with this kind of grace toward us, then we need to be generous with grace toward others. The same love that motivated his grace for us is the same love that motivates his grace for everybody that you see around you. You know, he, he offers it to them as well. Jesus said, freely received, so freely give, Right? And he wasn't talking about money. We use that sometimes in money sermons. But he wasn't talking about money there. But basically, anything that needs to be given, do that. Give that. You know, free because I've given you everything. Remember our def- definition of charis, grace, favor, kindness, blessing, goodwill, gift, that. That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this, verse 7 so Paul is writing this. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He's the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. And he's, he's writing to this church in Corinth because the church in Jerusalem is going through a really hard time. And on this missionary journey of his, one of his objectives is to collect an offering from different churches to help out this persecuted, struggling church in Jerusalem, you know, because we, we do that for one another, right? And so we help out. So, and he says this, he says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. You got this living for God thing down, right? He says, but there's more. He says, he says see, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving, in this grace of giving. Now, um, we, our English translations, they put this grace of giving, and it's kind of an interpretive translation uh, there, because uh, ba- originally it just says, excel in grace, or this specific grace is kind of how it translates. Um, 
But in the context, it is talking about giving, and so it's, it's, it's accurate to say this grace of giving. But if we, just, if, we, if we just say, I want you to excel in this grace, it's significant because if you imagine charis, grace, as an umbrella, there's all kinds of different ways to express that. There's this grace. There's this way to express it. That way, that way. There's giving. There's this, that. Whatever it is, you know, and there's different ways. And so... Uh, um, uh, because so why excel in that grace, Paul, according to Paul? Well, because that's the one that was necessary at the time. That's that's the appropriate one. Charis is kindness, favor, blessing. It's a gift. So let's just open that umbrella just a little bit here. Maybe broaden Paul's words a little, if we can do that. And it basically, says, look. As a whole, generally speaking, make sure you excel or be excellent in grace in whatever context that makes it necessary at the time. Am I coming through? Whatever context you find yourself in, whoever you're speaking to, whatever that need is, whatever way that you can shine a light, whatever way that you can show grace in any situation, do that. So what does it look like on a daily basis? Well, sometimes it's giving to someone when they're in need. Money, time, food, whatever, uh, sometimes it's, it's giving the benefit of the doubt, forgiveness. Sometimes it's as simple as listening. Sometimes it's, it's, it's giving up the need to have to, get, to gain the credit for something. Or, it's, 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 or maybe it's, it's lifting others up and taking a lesser position. That's exactly what Jesus did. What about this one? What about giving up the need to be right I don't have to be right here. And this includes, I'm going to park there for a little bit if you don't mind. Giving up this need to be right. This includes people who are different from us. Those who share different beliefs, different values than ours. The big problem in the U.S. right now is the polarization of opinions that we're experiencing. It's just this way. There's no, this is no man's land, and we're over here in the, in the extremes. And if you don't agree with me, we can't be friends. And by definition, though, if you put this all together, grace simply means I'm making room for you. God made room for me by his grace. The idea is that we, motivated by God's love, would make room for people in our own hearts. In this room, right here, there are conservative Republicans now, if you conservative Republicans wouldn't mind closing your ears, there's also liberal Democrats in the room, all right? There are vaccinated people and there are unvaccinated people. There are masks and there are no masks. There are differences in theology, different beliefs about God, you know? Uh, there's, uh, there's opposing views on homosexuality. There's opposing views of, as, as women, as pastors and elders, that kind of, in the church. Are there any other contentious issues that I can talk about today, all right? I mean, just don't shout them out, okay? But these are the kind of things I should, did this, this should have been before Thanksgiving. This is the things you don't talk about at the Thanksgiving table, right? I had another person come up to me after the first service and say, I haven't talked to my brother in two years. Like, Why? Politics. Two years because of politics. I'm like, oh my gosh. You see, these are the things that make us angry. Angry. 
Sinners in the hands of an angry God, give me one reason not to cut you into hell. That kind of stuff, you know? And we, we, those are the things that make us angry. And think of our position that we were in when we received for the first time God's saving grace. I was away. I was far away, you know? I was running the opposite direction. Wasn't on a good trajectory of life. We don't have grace for this kind of stuff. When we say, I don't have patience for that for that person, or I don't have patience to, for that kind of thing. What we're saying is, I have no grace. I'm following along with my society that says, that says I have abandoned the notion of grace. See, we, we, we run into trouble when we t- start thinking that my story is the story. I hope I'm coming through on that. That, that my beliefs, my values, my ideas, you know, God is so much bigger than my story, right? But that my beliefs, my values, my ideas, um, my history that I have growing up, as most of us are white middle-class Americans, and that history, that's my story here. And we, we run into trouble when we start really believing that my story is the story. You know what I mean? That if you don't fit into my story then I don't have time for you. You're just, you're just wrong, okay? Giving grace, though, doesn't mean that you have to agree with and affirm everything someone believes. It's just, I hope you're uncomfortable a little bit, you know? I hope you're not tipped over to ticked off, but I can't do anything about that. But it just means that I acknowledge, though, God loves you. So I can, too. God loves you. You think differently about these things than I do. God loves you, though, and so do I. We give it over and over and over again. How much is too much? I don't know. How much is too much for me? You know, I could use a whole lot of it. The very existence of grace means there's room for you and me at God's table. Grace says God's bigger than my finite thoughts. I know I don't deserve it, so I shouldn't expect other people to deserve it as well. I don't deserve it from God. I shouldn't expect others to deserve it from me. So I'm able to forgive you for not being perfect, or at least not being like me. You know what I mean? It's quiet. I'm closing. Don't worry. I can't believe I'm quoting this, but um, maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. If Ozzy Osbourne gets it, I think we should be able to get it too, you know, in a much better way, I'd say. God has infinite riches of grace. He gives it to you and me. He gives it to us. Because we didn't, not because we deserved it, not because we were looking for him but because he loves us. And we make that decision to say, oh God, I, I, I do want to follow you. And he's like, okay, here you go. We're saved by grace because of our faith in Jesus. And that's it, you know? He's not stingy, but he's very generous towards us with it. And my prayer is that we can receive it and generously give it. If you got that brother that you've not talked for two years, uh, not talked to for two years because of politics, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And so, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Shake up the ground of all our traditions, 
our little box that we, we love our box. It's got a little roadmap of how we're supposed to do life. And if you encounter this, then do that. And it's got every little tool in our nice little box here. And that's my story, Lord. And I'm stick with it. Oh, you, you're outside my, break down the, the just, just take your box cutter to that thing, Lord. Open our eyes, put our head on a swivel, Lord, to see people around us this great diversity that you've created, you know, of people who need you. Break down the walls of all my religion because your way is better. I'll make room for you, Lord, to do whatever you want to. Help me to make room for others as well. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to connect with us. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at welcometomosaic.com slash give. Have a great week.